Why, hello there. My name is Brad, and this is work advice for me, the Halloween edition. Are you prepared to be spooked out? Because I am excited. I'm sitting here with my best friend, Trent. Say hello, Trent. Hey. Trent and I are avid ghost uh People, right? Yes. Would you say that? I would say Evan, yes. Yeah, we love to go yes. to haunted places. Our wives do not like it. Not any at no, all. <laughs> not in the least. <laughs> but today we're talking to Jeff Belanger. Is that right? Yeah, Jeff Belanger. You may have seen him on Travel Channel, Discovery. Uh, he's ho- he's on he's on um, Amazon Prime. He's yep. got, he. He's got a podcast, he's an author, he's a journalist, and we are about to chat with him. So, if you're listening, remember, you can follow us on Instagram, slide in those DMs, work advice for me, you can email the show if you want, and I will respond, uh, work advice for me at gmail.com, and if you listen on iTunes, leave us a positive review. I would hate for a ghost to haunt you if you leave us a negative review, (laughs) but we are about to talk to Jeff, and I hope when we're done talking to Jeff, we're spooked out a little. So, with all that being said, sit back and enjoy our Halloween edition work advice for me with Jeff Belanger. Okay, so what what did your childhood look like? I think my childhood was mostly typical. I mean, typical for me, how would I know any other way, right? But uh, growing up in an old New England town, I had friends who said their houses were haunted. And so we would have sleepovers and would bring the Ouija board and try to make contact. I mean, I remember my buddy Dave lived at a, his house just down the street was built in, in 1760. I mean, think about that. We were England back then. We weren't even America yet. And he said, yeah, some old guy, we see him from time to time, and then he just disappears. And I was just intrigued because it wasn't like a Hollywood ghost story. It was just so matter of fact. And I also grew up in the town next to Ed and Lorraine Warren from the Conjuring movies. Um, They've been depicted in all those Conjuring movies. So I knew them since a young age, and they were just kind of like these local ghost hunters. And I was just so intrigued. Maybe the Catholic boy in me found some gray area in there, you know, with with my, my religion. But the idea that we still could hang around um, just set me on a on a trajectory that I, I'm pretty much still on. And, and then I went to school to be a writer and started working for newspapers, and I chased these stories, and somehow it turned into a career. Did you did you meet the Warrens? No, yeah, I've been to their house, been in their kitchen, interviewed them, been to the museum. Uh, I've I've known the Warrens since I was about 13 years old. Wow, that's amazing. They they are big time. I mean, their story is big time now. Yeah. It's funny. They're way more famous today than they ever were when they were alive. Because back then, I mean, yeah, they'd gone on talk shows and stuff. And this was the 80s and 90s. And back then, ghosts were still in the closet. You know, that was a time when people didn't talk about this. You'd worry you'd get locked up or, or whatever. And um, they were really pioneers as far as being out there and talking about it and being in the press. And and then after the the movie started coming out, they'd already passed away. But um, but then they just they really blew up to the point where everyone knew them. So you talked about journalism. I wanted to ask you, how has journalism changed from when you started in '97 to today? In your in your opinion, <laughs> well, I, so back then I was writing for newspapers, and mm-hmm. there's people that are young enough that don't even know what those are anymore. And um, you know. <laughs> 
I'd like to think that just about any journalist tries to take the job as seriously as possible and present both sides and the facts and be objective. I mean, that's that's what draws you to that that calling. And today, I don't. I feel like there's not much room left in journalism for objectivity. It's just you you take an angle. You know, I mean, every uh, Lord knows it, the, the least informed people on earth get their their news from cable news. I don't care which one you're watching. That's you're the least mm-hmm. informed people. You got you got to read it. You know, you you got to read it from when it's just factual and not being editorialized with eye rolls and intonations of the voice and and bringing on pundits and so on. Um, so it's it, it's changed in that. It's it's really gone to this this other side of just uh, editorial. It's just all editorial now, which is such a shame, because we need the news. We need to make informed decisions, and there's very few sources left to get it. And without local newspapers anymore, you really have to dig for it. So we kind of jumped to the journalism, but I want to backtrack to your previous uh, comments earlier about the Ouija board. So you jumped. When was the first time you ever played on a Ouija board? Oh, I, I was probably nine nine years old wow what was it like because i've never played on a ouija board (laughs) it's it's amazing to me how polarizing this board game is i mean you literally get it and i get it you know there's there's board games that can divide families and and bring out such anger and rage and are so very dangerous that uh they should be avoided at all costs but you didn't ask about monopoly you asked Mm -hmm. about the ouija board (laughs) so uh (laughs) Right. Monopoly is the one that I've seen be dangerous. Um, so the Ouija board, I mean, you, you literally get it in the toy store next to all those other board games. And for some people, this is a gateway. This is a, a communication tool. And, and who knows who you're talking to? For others, it's just like a fun parlor trick. And maybe you're just talking to your own subconscious. But the reality is, if you try it for yourself, I remember being a kid and you put your hands on it and it's moving. And you say to your friend, I'm not moving it. Are you moving it? No, I'm not moving it. And it starts to spell out messages. And then you start to wonder where are those messages coming from? You know, is it you or is it me? Is it us collectively or is it somewhere else? And then you do it in a haunted place and it really starts to get intriguing. So you you talk about going to haunted places. What's what's the most haunted place you have visited personally? Oh, my goodness. So I've been doing this 25 years now all over the world, and I've been in all kinds of locations from battlefields to medieval castles and prisons and asylums and so on. Um, and I think it's it's a tough question to answer, but you sort of default to a place where you've had an experience. Mm-hmm. And for me, that would be the catacombs of Paris, France, where it's these miles of tunnels underneath the city, and it's just filled with human bones, millions upon millions of human bones that have been pulled out of the graveyards in the mid-1700s to 1800s and placed down there in this very macabre, intricate pattern. And I was down there alone the first time I went, and I saw a man step out from the the shadows and and then go to one side of the tunnel and back again. And I, I just froze because I said, well, wait a minute, I'm down here alone. No one else is around me. And in a moment like that, that was the first time I had seen something where I would say, if that's not a ghost, I don't have another word for it. And it changes you. You know, you start to say like, whoa, what does this mean? If, if, if it's all real, if there's really something to it, when you see what you believe to be a ghost or spirit, no matter what anyone else tells you, it doesn't matter. You've got your own proof right there. Mm-hmm. And it, it changes everything about you. And it, it takes weeks, months, uh, even years to fully soak in. So how do you explain when, when, you see a, when you see a spirit or a ghost, I'm sure you have friends that, are, that don't always, that doesn't believe in that, right? 
I, I would of assume. Of course, yeah. What do you? Yeah. What do you? How do you explain that to naysayers? I don't. You don't. You, you don't. Say, this I'm, is what happened. This is what happened. I mean, but you know what else I can't explain to you? I, mm-hmm. I, I can't. Uh, I can't prove to you that love is real. I can't. I can't prove to you that humor is real. I can't prove to you that physical pain is real. If I were to walk up to you in front of an audience and stick a needle into your arm, just like a sewing needle, mm-hmm. I think most people would say, wow, I bet that hurts. And you might even wince in pain and say, ouch. Um, but other people have a really high tolerance for pain. They might hardly feel it. Other people have a really low tolerance for pain. They might scream and go running. Like I, I assume somewhere in your life you have felt love and mm-hmm. humor and pain and joy and all those things, but you can't prove it. Well, we have to take your word for it. This is a human psychological experience. I'll grant you it can be a fringe experience. Uh, but what, what I saw, I interpreted as a ghost. And when, when that happens to you, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a game changer. How many people have tried to tell you about their religion and you just go, oh, no, 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 I don't want to hear it, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, what's the chances we're going to agree, you know? And you talk to any devout person of faith in any religion, I don't care. It's all going to sound the same, right? Oh, no, this is the truth. I've studied. This is the way. My religion is the right one. Every religious person says that. But, you know, all you know is your own experiences in, in your own life and your own heart. And, and obviously there's no one religion. Otherwise there'd just be one. No one's captured a hundred percent market share yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we would just have one religion if it, if it uh, resonated with everyone. And so what I love about ghosts is that it's like the least common denominator of spirituality, right? You can talk about it. And if you want to think it's just a story, there's still some inherent value in it, right? Because a ghost is a connection to our past. It forces you to look back, understand who lived in a place, who died in a place and why, because we're all a product of our upbringing, where we live, our communities, and so on. And these ghosts, I think, hang around. They haunt us because sometimes we need to be haunted by our past, whether that's an unsolved murder, whether that's a civil war. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you've ever been to a place like Gettysburg or Antietam or these, these preserved battlefields from the Civil War, uh, you stand out there and then, and then you look on the Internet and you see how, how everybody says how divided America is right now, how divided we've been for you know, the last several years. Mm-hmm. And I just picture all the ghosts of Gettysburg rising up and going, oh, tell us, tell us about how divided are you punks, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're divided. Sorry, you're yelling at each other on Facebook. We were dying here on this hill, you know, for, mm-hmm. for what, you know, um, that's division. And so I think sometimes we, we have lessons we have not yet learned. And if not for the ghosts, we might just, well, we repeat them anyway, but we might repeat them even more often. Uh, bringing it back to America, what's a what's a place in America that you have gone to that you've been like, yeah, this place has a lot of paranormal activity happening in it, and it's it's creepy. So, for a creep factor, I mean, uh, one of my one of my favorite haunts is a place called Waverly Hills Sanatorium down in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this was a place where people with tuberculosis went to for thousands of them, like to die, literally die. Uh, tuberculosis was a pandemic before, long before COVID. Uh, it would eat away at your lungs. It would, it would devour you from the inside. You would waste to nothing. And uh, these the sanatoriums popped up as a place to get people away from others so they weren't mm-hmm. contagious, uh, to try to treat them. And, and, and then eventually we got, a, we got a handle on tuberculosis. It turned into an old folks home and then it was abandoned. And when you walk through it today, I mean, it's 400 rooms. It's like five stories tall. It's this huge abandoned dark building. And I don't consider myself psychic or sensitive or anything. But when I walked in that building for the first time, I just remember going, 
whoa, it feels electric in here. It feels like there's a crowd of people in here. Like, like if you were at the mall, you know, in the food court, like just packed with people, but it was just us. And walking through there, I was imagining what it must have been like to, to, to be there as a patient and just be here. Imagine hearing coughing coming from every room around you all day and all night as people were just gasping for air. It would just it would chip away at your sanity and the fear you must fear knowing I'm going here because I'm in a really bad state. You know, like things are bad if, if, if this is where I'm, I'm going. And you feel those emotions in the wall because you're a human being and you imagine what other human beings must have felt. And when we were up there, it was it was late. I mean, it was about one in the morning. And there was four of us standing at this this uh, junction in the building where you can look way down one hallway and way down the other. And at some point, we were chatting about nothing, four of us. And we stopped and got silent at the same time. This man stepped out into the hallway where we were. like, And I said, do you see that? This, you mean three doors down on the left? I'm like, yeah, that. This man. I couldn't make out features. It was mostly like a, an outline. I, I got the sense like maybe a doctor or something. And then he stepped back in the room and all of us ran to that room. It was just, you know, 20 feet away. And here's the thing. If a living person had snuck up there on us, mm-hmm. the only two ways to get out would have been to walk into the hallway where we would have seen you again or jump out the third story window. And neither of those happened. We looked in every room everywhere and there was nothing. And then you say, okay, we all saw the same thing. We all reacted the same way. And here we are in this building. I'll never forget it. I mean, it's, it was just a powerful place. And you just pick up on all that because, like I said, you're a human being and we all have a certain amount of empathy. That's, yeah, that that's a place I have on my bucket list to, to go to because I love going to haunted places and seeing them. That's one of the places that I actually want to go. Have you been to the Bell Witch Cave? Uh, I have not, but uh, we filmed there for Ghost Adventures, which is mm-hmm. a, a show I've worked on for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was one that um, we did get to film there. And I know the story quite well. So whenever someone says ghosts can't hurt you, and by the way, I stand by that for the most part, because <laughs> there's only one story where you go, yeah, ghosts can't hurt you. They, they can scare you, sure, because you don't expect it, but they don't hurt you. But there is the Bell Witch. <laughs> The Bell Witch, who allegedly murdered a living person, right? The uh, wow. who, who alleged, allegedly poisoned the the farmer, um, and you know now still haunts the cave where where she was, and and it, it's it's an amazing story. It was made into um, a movie starring Donald Sutherland. Um, it, it was a, it was a pretty decent horror movie if you like the genre, but of course the movie ventures pretty far away from the legend, uh, and it's just speculation, of course, that the ghost killed him. However. The story sticks around, uh, and it was a haunting. I think even Andrew Jackson looked into, pre- you know, uh, at one point. So um, it, it was just a very compelling haunt that, you know, made made uh, made all the news of the day. I've actually heard also if you bring something from there home, it can curse you. I think I've read that. If- yeah, that's a common trope in lots of places, right? And so what happens is it gets into your own head. So the thing about curses is they're undisputably, undeniably real. <laughs> if you believe you are cursed, you're cursed. There's no way around it, right? Once you believe it, once you internalize that, then that's that. And the only way around a curse is to believe that curse is lifted. So if you take a stone from the cave home and you just sneak it back and suddenly you start getting nervous in your house or you start dropping things and your, your plates are breaking and, and uh, you're getting scared. You start thinking like, what, what did I do that I shouldn't have done? 
and you trace your mind back to that rock. And then you find yourself at the post office, mailing it back to the Bell Witch Cave, which you wouldn't be the first, <laughs> you know, then they get a, they get a rock in the mail and they go throw it back in the cave and you think, okay, the curse is lifted. And then the problems stop, hopefully. Um, there's lots of places like that. And, and I think part of it is, is this sort of, uh, this tendency, I understand that we want to take a souvenir, but some places are sacred or significant and are not to be trifled with. And mm-hmm. so I think the lesson there is like, if you want to go look, you can look, but leave it alone. Okay. So I watch, I love to watch discovery channel and, and their, their, the travel channel and all the horror they do. The same thing applies to Robert the doll also, right? Because there's, <laughs> Absolutely. there's so many people that are writing letters to this doll asking the doll to forgive them. Yeah, that's the exa- same thing. So instead of taking a rock from the cave, uh, Robert the doll down in Key West, Florida, is this old doll on display at this museum, and people are taking his picture without permission. And so you go home and you think, well, what's the harm in a photo? Um, but you're supposed to ask the doll's permission if you want to take his picture. And tons of people don't, and they think it's silly and stupid, and then they go home, and weird things start happening, and their walls are filled with uh, with letters people have written asking forgiveness of Robert the doll because all kinds of things went wrong. And the letters are, are wild. Everything from like, my gosh, my, my mother got cancer. I crashed the car on the way home. Lightning hit my house. There was a fire. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to take your picture. I didn't mean to mock you or call you stupid. And suddenly this doll that looks like nothing that special uh, has all the power that you give it. Have you visited Robert the doll? Yeah, yeah. It was years ago um, when I first saw it. It's one of those things. You know, when you're in Key West, if you're into this stuff at all, like you're, you're going to probably go to Captain Tony's that's haunted. And you're probably going to go see Robert the doll um, because you, you, you love this stuff. Whenever I travel, visiting the local haunts is always on my agenda. Uh, and often I go to places because I want to see the haunts. And then while I'm there, I'll check out other stuff that regular people would see. So I wouldn't see a letter from you on the wall, right? I'm just no, saying. you wouldn't. And, and, you, know, no, you know what's funny, though? is, is I'm not an overly superstitious person. I'm really not, which might be surprising to some. But at the same time, why would I tempt fate like that? Why would I let that get in my own head? Even if it's only in my own head, I don't. I, life is tricky enough to navigate. I don't need a curse, <laughs> you know, to uh, you know, to paying that. bills and all that other stuff is tricky enough. But um, but I wouldn't tempt it because you know, obviously, hundreds of others have and have paid some sort of price for that. So, when you travel, do you ever partake in the the ghost tours that they do, or do you just do your own thing? Almost never. Uh, I'm not a ghost tour guy because to me, ghost tours, hey, it's it's sort of like it's theater. You know, it's fun. Uh, I, I appreciate people enjoy those. They're going to be embellished depending which tour guide you get on the same exact tour. You could get a radically different experience and different information because they're all taking liberties with the story because they're 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 trying to make a buck. You know, mm-hmm. when I go somewhere, I like to go alone. Because I'll get to talk to people. I'll get into locations. I'll probably arrange it ahead of time. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be there on this day. I'd love to talk to you about some of your experiences and some of the staff. And it's amazing some of the connections I've made over the years just doing that, just hearing about people's, you know, experiences and so on. Um, and, and so, uh, so yeah, ghost tours are, are, are kind of not my thing because this is what I do all day long, every day. 
um, and and I kind of want to do it my way. However, that being said, I also understand they are wonderfully entertaining and and a good way to learn a little bit of local history and color for for some folks too. Um. Okay, so my wife would definitely love hearing you say that because I drag her to plenty of ghost tours just to, you know, I'm like, we're going to do this. She said, I really don't want to, especially in Savannah. We did a really good one in Savannah. Oh, yeah. That's a really yep. haunted place. Yeah, sure is. So, yeah, that's, that's a great town for ghosts. It is. Who inspired you? Who was your inspiration uh, growing up or, or maybe now to do what you do? So, I mean, I guess the Warrens are in there somewhere because I remember going to see their, so here's the thing that's hard for people to grasp. Back then they were just locals, you know, so we would go to see them in the library in October and they would do these presentations for like 30 people, you know, and they'd they'd play their evidence, their, their EVPs and show you pictures and video clips that they took. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, imagine looking for this stuff. And also there was a part of me, you know, being raised Catholic, I, I was I was like, I want to see something. I want to see proof that it's more than just what we see on the surface. I mean, I went to church and everything. And I mean, whatever magic was happening was happening up front. And it seemed like just to the priest, not to me sitting there in the pew. I was bored. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still went through the whole thing. And I'm like, I need to see something. I, I don't, it, this isn't enough for me. And oddly enough, I found a connection to spirituality you know, at midnight in a cemetery, <laughs> you know, like looking for ghosts where you start to literally try to wrap your hand around this notion that maybe we continue in some very tangible way after we die. And once you can get your head around that, well, then it, it leads you to all kinds of interesting reflections about how you're going to live your life and, and the kind of legacy and the, maybe even the kind of ghost you want to leave behind. I really, I really like how you put that. And I would I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this but before our conversation ends. What what about Salem? Uh, what's some, what's something about Salem? If you're if people are listening right now that you could share about Salem because you're up in that area. Yeah. So Salem, Massachusetts, has become kind of mecca for witches, which is uh, really interesting because, of course, those witch trials had very little to do with um, with actual witchcraft and everything to do with fear and and you know, power grab and local politics and so on. And the lesson of Salem, of course, is that witch trials have played out over and over and over again ever since. Not literally hanging people for, you know, not believing what we believe, but, you know, we, we see it all the time in the media, in the news. You see it in your local PTA and school board meetings. This is a witch trial. People scream it all the time. It's, it's, uh, it's become a part of our lexicon. But it is a, a powerful message when you go to those memorials. Uh, there's two now in town. There's one in the middle of town, and there's one where the actual hangings used to take place. And and again, going back to my analogy of Gettysburg, saying how divided, you know, are we? Uh, I would love to see those those witches, the people that were accused of witchcraft in Salem, sort of rise up and say, "Oh, tell me about your witch hunt," because I died because of mine. I was hanged in town. And you just think you're, you know, you just don't like the critiques that you're getting or whatever, you know, like we all have stuff mm-hmm. we're dealing with. And I think it's a, it's a place that um, is, is powerful in that message. However, there's also people that look at it as a total disgrace. Like imagine going to concentration camps in Europe where Nazis, you know, tortured and murdered, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people in, in each of these camps and then selling T-shirts and putting like death camps on the police cars and so on. Um, you know, it's, I know 1692 was a long time ago at this point, 
But in Salem, there's this sort of dichotomy between this reverence for this horrible atrocity took place here. People were murdered, hundreds put in jail uh, over just fear and, and, you know, false accusations. But also this like kitschy, you know, uh, Halloween headquarters of America kind of thing. And they, they do their best to sort of live in those two worlds. It's worth seeing if you're into this stuff and you're nearby. Um, I would say go have a good time, enjoy yourself, laugh at it if you want, but please take just a moment to have some reverence for how bad it can get in a true witch trial when you look at those memorials. Yes, and I, I we got my buddy and I got a chance to go up there, and it was really it was really cool to see it, and also enjoyed the uh, Samantha statue from Bewitched. Yeah, right. Yeah, Bewitched. Sure, she's there, and. And the witchcraft museum, and there's you know local haunts and so on, and to- and tours in town, and there's real witch shop, witch shops. There's true people that practice witchcraft that sell trinkets and books and all kinds of stuff. And I, I know some of those folks, Lori Cabot, um, you know, and, and it, it's it's one of these places that uh, really is worth seeing if if you're interested in this stuff. And the fact that you can take this horrible thing that happened and then turn it into kind of like you know the Jerusalem or the Mecca for witches. Uh, is really it, it's it's something. I mean, it's this, to, to watch the story play out over centuries is really an interesting uh, bit of history. Do you do you ever have someone come up to you and tell you a ghost story, and in your brain you're like, I just don't think this. I think this guy's making this up right now. Is yeah, it, plenty. Oh gosh, yeah. I feel like that would happen it, to me. Yeah. So you know, sometimes you know. So for example, sometimes I'll get phone calls and they're like. Hey, I really want to be on the show Ghost Adventures, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, you know. And at that point, you're you're already losing me. You know what I mean? Because they're just like, okay, so my house is haunted, and I think you need to get the show here. And and at that point, like, I'm almost gone. I'm almost, you know, I'm almost completely finished with the conversation. However, once in a while, someone will be like, hey, look, I don't want to be in any of your books. I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to be on any podcasts. But I'm kind of scared in my home, and I've got a problem, and I don't know what to do. And now you have my full attention, right? I mean, like, now I'm like, oh, okay, all right, well, tell me what's going on. Like, that's interesting. Or sometimes, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, but, but I've got a meter for this stuff. You know, I listened, I've listened to thousands upon thousands of people tell me about their experiences. Often, the most genuine are just, they're, they're just a slice of life. I was not expecting this. I was in this location. I saw this thing. I can't explain. And then it was over. And I'm still trying to process what happened. And that narrative is so common. The most common story I hear is people that see loved ones who've passed on and they, they get that goodbye that they never got to get in life. They're not, it's not even a scary experience. It's just, you know, my grandma passed away and two weeks later, there she was in my kitchen for just a moment. She smiled at me and then just sort of dissolved. And I'm like, how awesome is that? How wonderful. What a gift that you were given. Uh, you know, to, to have that and, and to, you know, be able to take that with you. And, you know, everybody interprets things differently. So, yeah, sometimes I do think people are just sort of making it up or they're delusional or whatever, but not most. I think most people are just genuinely want to share something that they've gone through with someone that they know willing is willing to listen. I totally can relate to that. My mom passed away when I was really young and I know those feelings of when she shows up in my dreams is very few and far between. And, um, yeah, I know that, I know that feeling. And I actually had a bad experience one time really freaked me out for years. So I, I can relate to that also. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and and those dream those visitation dreams, you can wake up and, and you know, the logical part of your brain can say, I was literally dreaming. It's a dream. But then the emotional side of you is like, that felt like something more. And by the way, the only judge that matters on that is you. It's your experience, your life, your dream. Um, you're the only authority on that, that that matters as far as how I you know, as far as what it means. I totally agree with you. I got two questions left. One, you've already mentioned Waverly Hills. If if people are listening right now, what are two other places in America you would recommend avid thrill seeking, ghost seeking people to see before they die? Uh, gosh, you know, uh, uh, some of these old prisons are pretty powerful places too. Um, one of my other favorites is the Ohio State Reformatory in uh, Mansfield, Ohio. Yeah, have you? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, um, if you've ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, that was filmed there. Um, it's a huge prison, six stories of cages, and you walk through that place. And and again, just like when you walk into the hospital and you imagine what it must have been like you know, to, to, to walk into these places and, and know that like, oh gosh, I'm so sick. I have to be here. Imagine knowing I've made a mistake in my life. I've done something wrong. And this is my home now for years, maybe the rest of my life. And prison is a whole different world. I mean, it's, it's not something that, you know, you don't want to go there if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you walk through those, those abandoned dark cages. You imagine people just getting shivved or killed over a pack of cigarettes or less. Uh, and that is a powerful place for sure. And, uh, and another one, I mean, I, I love the old battlefields like Gettysburg is a go-to for me. You know, that's, that's one of those places where it's just a powerful thing. You know, you, it's, it's never been, uh, you you know, as Abraham Lincoln said in the, in the Gettysburg address, we cannot hollow this ground. It's already been done by the people who died here. And you walk around these grounds, they've never put in strip malls or anything else. It's, it's been pretty much untouched except for the memorials ever since. And it's important for people to, to visit places like this, you know, to, to stand there and imagine what it must be like knowing, Hey, we're going to charge that Hill in five minutes. And every, every charge before us, everyone's been gunned down and everyone died. I'm going to die in five minutes. And and they did it anyway. Uh, I don't care what side you want to, you know, pick. They, they both, it was a slaughterhouse in there. And that is a powerful, powerful place. And I think you connect to it and it's haunted because it should be haunted. And it should always be haunted. It should always remind us how bad things can get. Uh, yeah, you're true about, you're so true about that. I love, I love historical places. And lastly, I want to ask you, favorite horror movie? <laughs> oh, you know what? The first one that really, really scared me was The Exorcist. And with a few exceptions, I think it still kind of holds up. You know, that was the first one where I was like, the idea that this demon monster would attack an innocent girl and and turn turn her into like ground zero for this battle between good and evil. Um, that one just, boy, it really still holds up for me. It's, it's funny you said that. I texted my buddy uh, last night. I didn't realize they're making a new one this year that's supposed to be a direct sequel to that one. Eh, you know... Show, show, name a sequel as good as the original on any movie ever, yeah. you know, and uh, and I'll listen. But I mean, you know, and you know what's stupid? I'll still see it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll definitely see it. It's a it's going to be a Blumhouse movie, so I'll probably end up watching. it. Okay. Yeah. He usually knows what he's doing. He's usually pretty good. Yeah. So, he does. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. So, what's next for you? Anything? Uh, so uh, I've got a, a brand new Christmas book out this year. Just came out. 
It is called The Fright Before Christmas, and it's all about the various monsters that are lurking in the shadows to beat us or kill us in this very dark, dangerous time of year. I know today is Halloween. However, I'm here to tell you that Halloween is only the second most frightening holiday of the year. Christmas, hands down, uh, is the top because Christmas, there's monsters looking to kill us. Halloween, the veil's thin. Ghosts are out there. Ghosts scare some people, sure. But Christmas could kill you. I want to read that book. You have sold me on that book right now. I, <laughs> I love scary stuff at Christmas. So. Yeah, the, the Christmas. By the way, traditionally, going back many, many centuries, Christmas was the time for ghosts. Halloween being the time for ghosts is a relatively new thing. Only in like the last hundred years have we really started to shift that to our Day of the Dead and, and those sort of celebrations. Christmas was a time for ghost stories. It was a time for, you know, the shortest day, the longest night, the dark, cold, foreboding winter that's coming and, and the danger that it, that's coming for all of us. That was always the time for ghosts. And I think we're returning to that with Krampus and Belschnickel and all these monsters that are are coming back into the popular culture. Well, I look forward to reading that book, Jeff, and I thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Chat with me. Thank you. Well, you have yeah. you have a good one. You too. Take care. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Bye. Okay. I'm sitting here with Trent. We we just listened to Jeff talk. Trent, are you spooked out? That was fantastic. He he was great. That was one of my favorite yes. chats, and I say that every week. B would, if she was here right now, she would be saying, "Brad, you say that every week." <laughs> I do, but for you and me, we go way back, and we love haunted stuff. Yeah. So to hear what he had to say was amazing. I loved it. Like I was, I was in. Were you surprised that he grew up close to the Warrens? Yeah. That. When he said that was his neighbors, it was just kind of like, you know, just absolutely just local folks. Nothing, not a huge thing, just people he met every day. That was, like, really cool. And they're really famous today. So if you don't know the Warrens, what, what movies depict the Warrens, Trent? Is it Conjuring? Conjuring, yeah. Did did Annabelle? I think Annabelle did too, right? The Annabelle, uh, the nuns, all that was in that same Conjuring group. Hmm. Okay, so... He talked about visiting haunted places. And Trent, we've been to some of those places. Yeah, he, he named two specifically, Salem and Mansfield, Ohio State Penitentiary, which were two that we've been to within the last five years, probably. Yes. And they were great. And, and we've talked about Waverly. Right, right. That's Waverly and, and the Bell Witch Cave. We need to take a work advice for me trip to Waverly. Right. All the fans have a fan meetup at Waverly to to tour this sanitarium. Right. I can't imagine what when he was describing living in a sanitarium and the tuberculosis right here in the was it a sanitarium was it a tuberculosis hospital? Yeah, it was. It was uh, all patients had uh, tuberculosis. That was okay. Yeah, and. And I got what kind of what he was saying because he mentioned the same thing about being in Mansfield in the prison, that feeling, because you and I had that kind of feeling going in there. So many people passed through there with so much pain and, and, and just just like a place of sorrow, you know. Just, uh, and, mm-hmm. and I can imagine what, what that would be like. 
Yeah, uh, I love how I added, you don't want to be in prison. I'm thinking most people listening not, yeah. do not want to be in prison. Not at all. Or into a, in, or in a tuberculosis hospital. One and the same, kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're both in prison. Yeah, it's both prison. I, I love how Jeff talked about his... I mean, you can tell when he talks that he has reverence for where he's at. He never goes somewhere and is just like, oh, this is Gettysburg. Oh, let's find a ghost. Like, he always takes the importance of what happened in that spot. Yeah, I got that from, especially when he was talking about Salem, because you and I have both been to Salem, and he mentioned how just commercialized it had, had become. And you go to the memorial, and it's a, a place of reverence for the people who had lost their lives in these, these terrible witch trials. And, but so much of the town has become, you know, T-shirts and just trinkets and things that you can souvenirs. It's kind of like Myrtle Beach, it really is. You know, we were kind or of or Gatlinburg. We were kind of blown away by it because it was not what we were. We were expecting this historical thing. And it really was just like a bunch of souvenir shops. So, so work advice, listeners. Trent and I, we decided to take a trip up to Salem. That was our highlight of the trip. And we were there at Halloween. You remember? It was well, in it was in October. We we were going in October. Our wives are like, okay, you both are idiots, but <laughs> go do it. And we got there. We flew in. We rode a bus, a city bus, for what, an hour? At least an hour. It's the longest bus ride of my life. Oh, it was the bus ride from the witch trials. It was yeah, awful. It was, it was brutalizing. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it, was a bus, it was a bus ride from Hades. <laughs> so we get there, and we're like, we're going to go check out the witch house. Mm. And then we found out that you had to have reservations and to it, even... And it closed right before we walked up. <laughs> I guess we were cursed at that point in our mind. But, but you know, what, what caught me with that Jeff said at the beginning was, you know, he grew up in that, that New, Link, New England area. And we, we were in Boston for so long in Salem. And there was so much history. He mentioned that in that area because the, you know, that goes back hundreds of years. And we're used to yesterday. And you could just feel that energy and that history in there, and, and you can understand why there would be so much, so many people have passed through those areas, uh, just to be a place of you know, hauntings. I felt creepier in Boston actually when we're in the graveyards, yeah, than yeah, in Salem, yeah, yeah it, definitely, because it's such a commercial feel. You remember when we walked through um, a Boston Common at night, and and it was in. Uh, you know, it was, it was just total darkness, and we walked part of it was a cemetery through there, mm-hmm. and and it was just like it was eerie. It was super eerie walking through there at night. We did some walking on it. We walked the whole um, trail, right? Yeah, the we the Freedom Trail. I think, we, yeah, we watched. Oh gosh, yeah, we walked like a million steps that day. I think we did like twenty four thousand <laughs> steps that day of walking. I bet. I bet the Constitution's got some haunted stuff on it. Oh yeah, should have asked him that. I think anything that that's in a city that that old with that much history to it, so many people have, have lived and died. There's no way that there's not so much energy from that left. So we we brought up Savannah. You ever been to Savannah, Trent? I have. It's been a long time, but I have. We need to take a trip and do some haunted looks in Savannah because it, it it's a really haunted city. But I like how he said. I don't do ghost tours. And I've really thought to myself, listen, I don't think I'm going to do another ghost tour now. He's ruined the ghost tour industry yeah. for me. Cause, yeah, because he kind of laid it out there, and, and I'm sure it's exactly true. It is mainly like a tourist attraction. 
Mm-hmm. And, he, and he said, you know, I like to go alone and, and get my own experience. And, you know, when you're alone and you're going through things, you see your own things. Somebody's not pointing out what they want you to see. And so you get your own experience from that, kind of like we did in Boston. We mm-hmm. really didn't take anything guided. We did it all of just you and I. And so we were able to experience Salem and in Boston and all those things on our own. And that, that is a, gr- a great thing that he said there because so many times you think, oh, I need somebody to guide me and show me. Nothing beats your own personal experience. Yeah, you're right, because you're going to hear, you know, I went on a ghost tour, so I'll, I'll share it with the, with the audience, my ghost tour story. My wife and I went to Charleston, mm-hmm. and as I told Jeff in the chat you just heard, my wife does not like ghost tours. I drag her on. Sometimes I just want to do it out of sheer spite. <laughs> I want to prove that I can get her to go on a ghost tour with me. So she's on this ghost tour. We're like, we're sitting out there. It's dark because Charleston in this area shuts down at like six o'clock. Right. And we see some weird dude walking up and he's got like what would be like a poster board, like where you put a poster, like a tube you put a poster in. Mm-hmm. Kristen's like, uh, who is this guy coming up here? And like, I don't know. <laughs> we're the only ones out here. And, and I'm too cheap to pay for a self-guided tour. So I'm like, is anybody else going to go on this tour with us? And the guy walks up and he goes, are y'all on the tour? And we're like, well, yeah, we're, we're on the tour. Follow me. And he goes, I'm your tour guide. And I'm like, okay. So we said, is anybody else coming? He's like, no, it's just you two. And I'm like, okay. So this creepy dude is like walking us around Charleston at night in the dark. Kristen's like, are we going to get murdered? And I'm like, I hope not. This would be a really sad ending because we're staying at the Comfort Inn, and she was griping about that too. Although it was a bit perfect setup for for a you know for a killing. Oh, perfect. He could have perfect. T- he took us down some alleys. Yeah. And I kept wondering, what's in the tube? I, right, that's my right, brain. Right. You would be that way too, Trey. Oh, yeah, but what is in the tube? I want to know what's in the tube. What is in that tube? Show me the tube. <laughs> so we stop at this restaurant, and we're sitting out there, and he's explaining how this restaurant's the most haunted restaurant in Charleston. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, well, this, this bus boy's out there trying to dump grease in the, in the dumpster. And he can't do it. So the tour guide says, can you help him do that? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I, had to, I was helping the bus boy <laughs> dump grease. That was the scary part of the tour. Yeah, <laughs> on, a, on a ghost tour. I'm thinking you could, but he couldn't put the tube down, Trent. He had to hold the tube. So then we get to the part, I, I, after I'm done my job, I paid my dues of working for the restaurant. Uh, he, <laughs> he stops in this really dark area, and he starts to pull the tube out. And I'm excited because I'm like, what's in this tube? Excited and at the same time terrified. Yeah, I don't know. Is he going to pull out a silencer gun and we're going to be shot? I mean, what is he going to take my wife and make me, you know, beg for her back? To that point, I don't know if I'd even beg. I'm kidding, Chris, and I definitely would. So he he pulls out a map. Yeah, and it's Go dark. I can't even see what's on the map. I said the whole time I've been focused on this tube and all it was was a map of what of the square and what it looked like (laughs) i wish i I was joking in this but i'm not this is definitely a true story and it took years for me to get my wife to go on another ghost tour we finally did it in savannah but she will be glad to know she's off the hook on ghost tours now now 
we're going to do our own touring, which will probably be worse for her in the, in the grand scheme of things. Because then she'll worry what, what we're going to do. Yeah. Do you think Jeff, because he's nationally world-known, he can call up uh, Bell Witch and say, hey, I'm coming to visit, and they would personally do what he needs to do? I think so, because he mentioned that when he didn't do ghost tours, that he actually you know, could get in early and, and, and set up a private tour of places. So I got the vibe that that's exactly what he does. Maybe you and I should try that. Let's let's call Waverly Hills, tell him Brad and Trent are coming. I don't think we have the same amount of clout. <laughs> we know Jeff. We can name drop Jeff. We <laughs> Jeff's like, please don't name drop me. We can name drop Jeff. Say, hey, we know Jeff. We could play this podcast for him. Say, hey, look, we talked to Jeff. We could we could finagle it where we could take his words when he says, let them in. Even we just take those from what he talked about. He said it. That may work. I doubt it, but maybe. But Jeff will (laughs) never come on this podcast again. Never, ever. Jeff, we are totally joking. We would never do that. Of course. But we did (laughs) learn from Jeff. If you want a ghost story played, you've got to take the other angle. Yeah, and and that that made sense what he said because, you know, someone who's dying for attention is going to say, hey, pick me, pick me, put me on TV. But if you come up and go, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just scared out of my mind. Can you help me? You're like, okay. Like he said, you got me. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm with you. It's the people that are excited to do anything that annoy me. Right, right. If you're overtly excited about something. It's kind of like what I tell you about the Boy Scouts, right? If if the Boy Scouts are going on a camp and the dads are there and and the, 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 what do they call them? The Scoutmaster says, we need some parents to volunteer. Right. If there's a dad that's overly excited and going, pick me, pick me, I'm going to look at that guy and go, you're not going. This is weird. Because most people are sitting home going, oh my gosh, I don't even want to go with my kid. Yeah, like I barely <laughs> want to take my kid camping. I got to go with these kids and go camping. I'd rather just be one of the ghosts in Jeff's stories. <laughs> that's what I want to do, right? Right, right. <laughs> what about the Bell Witch, by the way? Because that, if for you listeners, that's Trent and I's like, that's on our bucket list to see. Yeah, we, you know, we were going to go pre-COVID, and then COVID shut everything down, <sighs> including the cave. Yes. And, uh, matter of fact, it's not been open really long since. I mean, it's just reopened in the last, what, year maybe at most? Maybe. We'll put a link uh, for it in the in the show notes for people who want to click on and see what it is. But we, we had talked about going, and we had said, you know, the, the, the lore is if you bring, like, a rock or something from the cave, the witch follows you back. And, and our wives are like, yeah, no, that's not happening. What did your wife say? This is funny. What did she, what, what, when you told her you are going to bring a rock back, she just was like, no? No, she's usually like, yeah, right. No, you're not doing that. That's, that's not happening. But, but She's like, Brad can bring one back and ruin his life if he wants, but you're not ruining ours. <laughs> but then we talked about bringing rocks back and slipping them in people's bags we don't like. And mailing them to people. Yeah. We brought you this back <laughs> from the woods. We don't have to tell them it's the Bell Witch Woods. We don't even have to tell them who it's from. They just get a rock in the mail. Yeah, they just get a rock in the mail. Next thing you know, you're looking, their, their life is ruined. Their- they just pick it up and they're like, who's this rock from? Next thing you know, the Part of the gutter falls on their head while they're standing there. <laughs> so, what you've learned from just this is... We're kidding. Yeah, we're kidding. We're not trying to murder anyone. We're not sending curses to people. Uh, but I did get a letter in the mail with, with a rock, so I wonder if it was from there and somebody hates me. <laughs> it's from the cave. It was addressed from Trent, so I guess he was... And Jeff said, talking about the rock, you know, he said, 
curses and things are what you make out of them. If it's serious to you, it's going to be a serious thing. Some people could take the rock home, put it on their bookcase, and never think anything about it. But if you're like, okay, this is going to mess with me, it's probably going to mess with you in your mind. Uh, yeah. It, w- was he was he basically saying a curse is what he's basically saying a curse is what you make of it? That's, that's does what he I, believe in curses? I, I couldn't get the vibe on that. I, I, but what you said was what I thought. It's what you make out of it. If you believe it, it is true. If if not, but he but he believes in the ghost he's seen, right? So so then I would think that he would believe in the curses as well. Uh, also, what about Robert the doll? He he, <laughs> yeah. I we love how about I, going there too. Oh gosh, I I just don't know. Two dudes look cool going to Key West. We got to take the wives on that one. Yeah, and they. Mine will definitely not go see Robert the Doll. I can tell you that. I don't think my wife will allow me to go see Robert the Doll because she would say, you idiot, you're going to not be respectful enough. You're going to purposely, stubbornly just snap a picture of this doll. Yeah, I got to say, I have a little consternation with you in in this particular instance. Usually you and I go all kind of places. This is the one time that I'm afraid you're going to get me killed. Okay, but I don't... Why do I have to ask permission to a dumb doll that's been a, that's a hundred years old? That's like asking my dog permission to go on vacation. I don't have to ask my dog anything. And that kind of attitude is going to get you killed, Brad. Yes. Well, I'm hoping <laughs> if it curses, if I get the curse, it's, it goes to my wife. When he said that it was because he had been there, that it was full of letters all over the walls from people begging for forgiveness. Yeah, I don't know that I need to go there. I would, I would like to see Robert. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I, just talking about Robert over the podcast was kind of freaking me out a little bit because does Robert listen? If he's that smart, if he's that smart, and can I, he hear it? And I know you. You're the kind of guy who's going to think I can beat the system. Yes, I can. I can take his picture, and this little doll is not going to do anything to me. And then you come home, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, man, the, the house is caved in. I wrecked the car. <laughs> the dog's dead." <laughs> I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All you listeners out there, I love my dog Marley. Um, but but Robert, Robert, on the other hand, I, I don't know. I want to see him, but I'd like to see him from a distance. That That is the one that I want to see, but I don't want to see. And that makes no sense when I say it that way, but that's exactly what I mean. I want to see it, but not. You know why? Because you and me are a lot alike. We're going to leave there, and we're going to be in our head going, did we not do one thing right? Did, I, did, did he hear my thoughts? Like, was he thinking, <laughs> did he hear me think, this is stupid, I don't like you, Robert, and is he going to punish me? And, and there's then, no way you don't leave without taking a, a, a pic with him or selfie with, with Robert. I would do the selfie with the peace sign, like sitting there, like, you okay. know, flashing it. I, I would have to do a cool selfie, but would Robert appreciate that? Say, excuse me, Robert, sir, would you mind if I take a selfie with you? And, and see, you're supposed to ask permission. How long do you wait since he's not going to respond? Well, yeah. What if he doesn't grant us permission? I mean, how do you? What does he know? Wink once if you if yes, and wink twice if no. How, how do you know if, if you've gotten yeah. permission, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, Robert, man. So as we wrap this conversation up, we're excited to find out about Christmas. I didn't realize Christmas was such a scary thing. I want to buy his book because yeah. I want to read this. He totally sold his book. I mean, that, that was, I never think of Christmas. I guess because I have such a huge love for everything Christmas, you know, I love mm-hmm. the way that, with my kids and all of Christmas. I couldn't imagine Christmas being like a scary time. 
but na- but now he's talking about all this stuff. I'm like, I'm intrigued now. I'm totally intrigued. I was not joking. I want to buy his book yeah. so yeah. I can look at it. And I would love to have him come back on at Christmas time to talk about Christmas horror. I'd like to, to hear him elaborate. Just spend some time on, okay, what do you mean when you talk about Christmas being such a scary time? What, what is it that makes you say that? Well, I think it's scary because people don't have money and they got to provide gifts. <laughs> and I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on people. And that's why it, it, it brings out your insecurities. But he's talking about, is it Krampus? Yeah, Krampus. Krampus, and, uh, which was a pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I guess what he's meaning is it's such a time where so many people have so many different feelings. Some people are really depressed that time of year, and there's just so much angst. Maybe that's what he means by being the time when they're he, – he, 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 I want him to elaborate on that. I'd like I to do. know more. I, I got to read the book. I gotta send, I'm going to send him a message and go, hey, would you be okay to come back in December right. and let's talk about your book, right. promote it, and really dive into just the horrors of Christmas? Because he acted like Christmas is the true horror. I, he seemed more moved by Christmas than he did Halloween. Yeah, which is which was totally weird to me. Totally weird because yeah. we're we're trying to spook people out. You know, right. they're out trick or treating tonight. Right. They're going to be trick or treating tonight, right? Right, right, right. That's the hopefully. Night. What what's your what's your best Halloween costume? Oh man, I had a really sick Darth Vader costume in the late seventies. Oh my, how much would that be worth today? Oh man, oh I'd love to have it. You could sell that baby. Oh, that was that was it was just sick. It was the, you know, the cheapest thing ever. I can remember it in my mind, though, and at the time, it was like anything Hollywood produced. It was like the awesomest thing you could find. Do you remember the old five and dime in our town? Right, yeah, yeah. The old five and mm-hmm. dime people, they were like, well, that's where I would get my Halloween costumes. You'd go in there. Remember the old early 80s costumes that were, if if you if you lit, lit a match, you'd burn up? Because I think they were. That's the way the Darth Vader one was. It had the, the, the black Darth Vader mask. It had the little white elastic string around the yes. back. Yes. And then it had a, I don't know why this fit in. It had a yellow cape. He did not wear a yellow cape. Maybe they just had to put yellow somewhere just to, so you or, was it a knockoff? No, I think maybe just so I wouldn't get run over trick-or-treating in the road. Oh, that's <laughs> it, yes. <laughs> they should just put a glow-in-the-dark patch on the back. kind of like those things Shoney's used to give out, you know, those, those orange strips that they would you put on your trick-or-treat bag so the car headlights would hit it so they would know to stop trick-or-treater. Now, now, Shoney's is a funny story. Trent and I drove all the way into Arkansas when we went to Memphis. West, West Memphis, to, to, and it was, like, late at night. Yes, it was late just to go to Shoney's and eat their hot, uh, what is it, hot cake? Hot fudge cake. Hot fudge cake. And, and then a friend of ours uh, told us, they said, you know who, who was born and raised in, in Arkansas? I was like, you went to, like, the worst place on earth to go. Like, ah, seemed fine to us. <laughs> we were, we could have been, we could have become spirits that night. We could have been ghosts. Would it stink to become spirits and be stuck in West Memphis? I would like to, to pick the place I'm going to haunt. I would like to haunt Graceland. That would be a good place. I'd go upstairs. I'd at least want to see what's upstairs. You're a ghost. You just go through the doors. I can't stop you. So I'm saying, I'm going yeah. to Elvis's bathroom. Right. I'm going to see where it happened. Yeah, we've lost half our audience at this point because they don't know who Elvis is. <laughs> They're like, what's a Shoney? We don't, we don't know that. So Elvis and haunts, that's where we're going to spend most of our time. And they're wondering, is Brad and Trent sound young, but are they 95 years old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they're thinking. Jeff's like, why did I go on here? <laughs> I would like to go ghost hunting with Jeff, though. That would be, 
that would be so cool to go with somebody who knows what they're looking for. And yes. Seen, you know, he talked about how many places he had seen internationally. That would be cool to hang with him at some of those places. How could we get him? How could we sucker him into wanting to hang with us at a at a haunted place one day? Yeah, I don't think that's probably going to happen. <laughs> I'm gonna. We got to work this angle, <laughs> Jeff. We want to sucker you into taking us on one of your haunted excursions. He's heard this conversation. He's like, yeah, no. <laughs> We, we, we promise we'll buy you dinner <laughs> at a Shoney's, so we'll make sure you get the hot fudge cake. <laughs> right. But Waverly Hills, we could go there, Jeff. You could point out some ghosts. I want to come home and look at my wife and go, I saw a ghost. Because she's like, you're never going to see a ghost, dummy. And uh, well, she doesn't call me dummy. She's very sweet. Um, only on days that end in Y. <laughs> but anyway... With all that being said, what a great... Oh, wait, before we close, Trent, favorite favorite horror movie? Oh, man. You know, the, the first horror movie I ever watched, and I was and I was pretty small at the time, but it was The Fog. You remember the old... Oh, like, the John Carpenter? The John Carpenter, late 70s one, like 78, 79. Not the newer out. one. No, 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 not, the, not, not that. But... I think I love it because it was like the first horror movie I was able to watch as a kid. And and I still watch it from time to time. And I think because it reminds me of being a kid, but it's just kind of eerie. It's, like, che- it's cheap. You know, obviously it's not like a huge blockbuster movie, but it's just really cool. Again, the crowd thinks, the audience thinks we're 90 at this point. Yeah. He, this, this dude keeps talking about the 70s. And I wasn't even born to like 2005, but. <laughs> <laughs> we're really just 18 years old. <laughs> I got married at 14. Um, what about Blair Witch? That was, that was, I should have asked him about that because that was before all these ghost hunter shows. And yeah, it, the Blair Witch kind of set the stage because when that came out, people thought that was real at first. Yeah, because it, it really redefined the entire found footage kind of thing. And you watched it, especially, you know, the first time you're like, wow, this is really cool. The second one, not so much, but the first one, really good. Uh, and, uh, it just had a, a different vibe that we'd never seen before. It was cheap made, and that's what made it really cool. Oh, I mean, I went to the theater and saw that movie. Yeah, I didn't see it in the theater, but it was it was it was sick. It was really good. And Jeff said sequels are never as good, and I agree. The second one especially not as on, good, especially on horror movies. What's a horror movie that had a good sequel? Well, you know, I would say the, the, like in the original, like Halloween two. Some of those were pretty good. You know, they can hang mm. with the first ones. Uh, to me, the but I mean, yeah, uh, that's personal preference. But mm, are you? The second Halloween, not the new stuff. Yeah, well, I'm talking about the old stuff. Come on, Blumhouse Trent, you're in. yeah, not the new stuff. The new stuff, yeah. What did you think about? Speaking of that, did you cringe a little when he said, "Oh, Blumhouse makes good stuff"? Yeah, because I was like, "You're losing me, dog." <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it has to say that because of the Warrens, and he likes them, and they made the Warren movie. Yeah, you know, they they, they had some good stuff with like the Insidious stuff, and and. uh but some of the stuff, you know, when some things like on Amazon and things like that that you watch, you're like, Ey. yeah, you're like, this is Blum's putting his name on crap. Yeah, I just lost the last two hours of my life. I will never have back. And we clearly just define that we're pretty old. Yeah, we're definitely. <laughs> we don't old. have a lot to spare at this point. We are wearing diapers at this point. So, we're, <laughs> so I was thinking Friday the Thirteenth Part Two was good because you get to see it, it Jason. Was, it, yeah, you didn't see him in the first one. You'd never seen him until, that's that's a good point. You'd never seen him in the first one at all. It was his, all his mother. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
I'm with you on that one. That's I'm going to go one. that. But but Halloween, the the new Halloween was good. The first one. The first 2018 Halloween was good. That one where he took on the second where he took on the entire village and they and he beat them all. Yeah, terrible. And then terrible. Halloween ends. Well, we we can go all night on that. We'll we'll talk more yeah. about that in another podcast. That was terrible. We're just glad it ended. Yeah, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> no more Michael Myers. Don't need it. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the one of the best horror sequels, probably Friday the Thirteenth, just because you get to see Jason. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that, that that's a great point. Just finally seeing Jason was just was a game changer for the, the that that sequence of movie. So that was great. Yeah. Well, with all that being said, it's Halloween. So why are you still listening to us, guys? Why don't you go out and. Go Enjoy check out day. a haunted yeah. house. Take your kids trick or treating. Right. Enjoy the candy. I steal my kids' candy, man. That's my move. Somebody, dads have to check the candy for safety purposes. Make sure there's no razor That's blade. Exactly right. So if if you've ever had a razor blade in your candy, slide into our DMs. Work advice for me on Instagram. Tell us about your razor blade incident, and uh, you know, candy corn. If that's your favorite Halloween candy, we don't want you listening. <laughs> Uh, it's a terrible candy. I'm getting, if you like candy corn, work advice for me, Instagram, tell us how much you like it. And we might have you on here to explain why you like, what is it about it that you like? I love corn, Trent. I love eating corn and I love candy. But when you put those together, it's not good. Anytime when I was a kid, someone gave me candy and I looked down the bag and it was candy corn. I never went back to that house. No. Never. What about the families that would give you apples? I'm like, get this crap out of my bag, man. I don't never want apples. went to that house ever again. <laughs> that old lady is never giving me apples again. Now She's probably up in heaven right now giving apples. If it's Reese's Cups, chocolate, okay, I'm coming back. Oh, off-brand candy, too? Ugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't yeah. want the off-brand you know crap. The, the kind is like the little strawberries and the little tent in the full wrapper. You, you remember those? Yes. What purpose do they serve? You know what you and I should do? Uh, let's mail uh, just one candy corn to people we don't like. <laughs> instead of the rocks from... <laughs> instead of the rocks... I'm not sure what's worse, the candy corn or the rock. I know. I think for some reason, my wife and your wife would be like, oh, get the candy corn out of here. It's kind of like the peeps at Easter. Who eats this stuff, man? My wife loves peeps. She does have a peeps shirt. She has a peeps shirt, and she yeah. wears it all the time. So you explained who eats peeps. I don't, I don't eat she them. She loves peeps. Well, hey, it's Halloween, <laughs> Trent. Happy Halloween. Happy we Halloween, hope, Brad. We hope y'all are spooked out. And yes. then for Trent, my name is Brad. This is Work Advice for Me, the Halloween edition. We'll see you next week. See ya.